Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Purple Insider and uh, Matthew Collar here, along with Jonathan Harrison. Another hot routes here live on YouTube. And uh, Jonathan, I know you caught the last couple of nights where we went over all my correct 2022 predictions. All I remember is every single prediction being dead on to the point where people were just uh, amazed. They were writing articles in the ringer about it. And uh, it's, it's just incredible. One man predicts 50 correct things in a row about the NFL with nothing wrong. So that was the last couple of nights on here. It was a pretty fun time going over um, all the things that I predicted uh, for last year. Maybe actually the sunglasses will help. And by the way, the, the Oakley sponsorship was just for the summer, but the thing is I don't have to give them back. So we're just, I'm just vibing. I'm going to keep doing hot routes uh, with the sunglasses. And I also wanted to mention that uh, a couple episodes ago, there was a, a question about hot routes and the feed that it's in and that sort of thing. It's always been in the Purple Insider podcast feed over the summer because we are going to relaunch it toward the beginning of the season in a little bit of a different way with uh, somebody that you know has been on the show a number of times. So that's kind of in progress. So you know, keep your eyes out on the the hot routes feed. But for now, it's going to keep going because we're just talking a lot of Viking stuff. But um, we are going to carry on with predictions week and i have other fun stuff coming as well i talked to the old takes exposed guy on twitter uh also i've got tage seth coming up who's going to give us analytics on how to make predictions for this year or what i did was i wrote down a bunch of things that i think that nerds will think is going to happen this year and i'm going to have tage tell me if that's right or not and uh (laughs) kaylin kaylin is going to talk quarterbacks so a lot of fun stuff coming this week jonathan but you have gone over my first 25 predictions for 2023 and before you quiz me and break down uh, the predictions of mine for 2023 that stuck out. How did I do? Like, were you thinking like, okay, maybe you're wearing those sunglasses too often and it's affecting your brain or were you like, you know what? I can see a lot of this stuff. I tried to be bold without being insane. You know what? I'm just disappointed. There's no Mike McCarthy hate in the, in these predictions so far. So I'll let you pass because there is still a part two. So you better have one, a Mike McCarthy uh negative prediction coming up in the next uh, 25 otherwise we'll be seriously angry on the social media side but i think you did good I, I, there's a lot here that we can definitely talk about to dive into uh not just viking stuff but across the nfl as well so i'm excited to get started here 
I'll give you a tease for the second part. And uh, if people want to read all of them, you should become a Purple Insider subscriber uh, to the newsletter, which also not only gives you access to all of our articles ad-free in your email every day, also the Friday mailbag, but we launched a chat on Substack for Vikings fans where you could chat just directly with me, with other really cool Vikings fans. You don't have to do deal with trolls or a For You tab or whatever other crazy thing is happening on Twitter. So Purple insider.com you can find it there where to sign up and i think you can participate in the chat even if you sign up on the free side which is uh, a cool little feature there anyway there is something dallas related and it's sort of a backhanded mike mccarthy compliment but not really so you'll have to read that tomorrow but for today you tell me i told you that hot routes tonight is just you pick predictions and we'll talk about them for 2023. I've made 25 so far, and I feel like every single one of them is maybe potentially the perfect prediction. So where do you want to start? What predictions do you want to talk about? And also, I would love the chat. The last two nights, the chat has given me 1 to 10 for how accurate my predictions were from last year. So I would love you to give me the, the 1 through 10 on how accurate you think these are going to be. So if you think that I'm going to be completely off and I'm a total psycho, then give me a one. If you think it's a great prediction, then give me a 10. Um, so where do you want to begin, Jonathan? Let's start off with a Vikings one. Let's go with prediction number two you had on, on the top 25 here. Byron Murphy Jr. will be one of the best signings of the NFL offseason. Do you want me to read what you said here, or uh, let's just dive right into that one? Yeah, why don't we dive into it? Uh, because then you, you'll be taking half of my uh, reasoning for the prediction. But um, although it was fun to read what I read uh, or what I wrote last year, uh, you know, like, oh, uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke will win like no games for Seattle. Forget them. And then they uh, got to the playoffs <laughs> yeah. with Geno Smith. But uh, that was not one of the more accurate predictions. But as far as Byron Murphy Jr., I'm only getting a three for the first grade on that for hotness, which I understand because it was a good signing. But it really went under the radar. Like, who's talking about mm -hmm. this signing around the NFL? He has a very low cap hit for this year, much higher for next year. But if he plays well, then he's going to be worth that cap hit. Uh, I like that he's a very aggressive corner. Like he's good at blitzing historically throughout his career. He's a physical player. He's a good tackler. And I also think that I have always had this theory. You know this, Jonathan. We have worked together for a very long time. Mm -hmm. That when a team is bad and when a coach is bad, that it has this like trickle down type of impact and it affects everybody brings down everybody's play. So Byron Murphy jr. Was playing for just the joke of the league last year in Arizona, a head coach that doesn't care about defense at all, a defensive personnel that was totally disastrous. And really throughout that entire time, they, that he was there, they were not good defenses. And if you look at his usage every year, it's different. Sometimes he's an outside corner. Sometimes he's a nickel corner. Like he doesn't even know year to year what he's supposed to be doing. And so far he has been, as uh, Matt says in the comments, league average so far he has been, but this is the boldness of the prediction is that he will be one of the best signings because he will not be league average anymore under Brian Flores. Now I know that this is a flawed defense and it could have some problems pressuring the quarterback. If Daniel Hunter isn't here, but it's about the defensive coordinator. It's about his usage. And I also think that, you know, signing a guy who's only been in the league a couple of years and is 25 because he came out when he was fairly young. 
uh, you could have you know another five or six years of his prime where he's good if this signing ends up working out. So I like Byron Murphy Jr. I am high on that signing, and I don't think it's going to make them some sort of elite defense or anything. But at the end of the year, we might look at cap hits uh, and prices paid for free agents and go, yeah, a lot of teams kind of overlooked Byron Murphy Jr., who turned out to be good for the Vikings. Yeah, I think I, I, I brought it up because hit, looking at his uh, PFF grades and some of the stats – from this last season. It's an interesting one because obviously, like you said, uh, it wasn't a great season. You look at his numbers, no interceptions, a 105.5 quarterback rating when thrown in his direction. Uh, but when you look at his PFF grades, they really, they seem to like him and seem to think that he improved uh, year on year. I mean, he had his best coverage grade in his career last year. He had his best uh, pass rushing grade uh, from that position uh, last year. So I think it could be interesting. And I, I guess the question for me off of it is where do you see him fitting in, in that cornerback room? Because he's not the typical taller cornerback. He's only 5'11", 190. So he's kind of on the smaller side. Uh, he's not the typical Mike Zimmer cornerback that we've seen drafted over the past seven years. Where do you see him fitting in, in this Vikings defense? Also, you have to give your one to 10 on the hotness as well for the, the feedback. Uh, well, but I, I think that uh, Kevin O'Connell talked about this a little bit in, I think it was OTAs or mini camp where he said that he is going to be the nickel corner. And then when they're playing in base packages, he's going to be outside. So he's always going to be on the field and teams only play in their base package, like 25% of the plays. Usually it's just uh, specific run situations and so forth, but they're going to take somebody else off the field but not him because he is their top corner uh, in Flores's system. Nickel corners are really important. I think really, really important. He uses them as kind of a, a chess piece uh, to match up, um, to match up with, you know, you see a lot of receivers that are motioning into the slot all the time, uh, but also to blitz and to play a big role in run defense. So this is a very important role. Uh, Dan is giving me a six for that one thinks he'll be better than average at a really good price. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely not saying that they've got, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick here or um, Darrell Revis or something, but uh, uh, you know, although I guess Fitzpatrick's really become more of a, more of a safety, but not the next Antoine Winfield necessarily. I just think it'll be a really good signing. So I, I agree with you guys. It's not, the hottest take I've ever had. Well, I'm sure Jonathan will find some more bold ones uh, that I came up with for this episode. But I, I guess I just think that with all the things that have happened this offseason, if they had had a normal offseason where they didn't send all their players packing, and by the way, does does Delvin Cook have a job yet? Where's Where's all those $12 million offers for this elite player that I was told about uh, that he was still super elite and Anyway, that's not the point. But uh, if this was a normal offseason, I think we'd be talking a ton about like what a big signing Byron Murphy is and how a lot rests on him. It's just that when you send out Delvin Cook and Adam Thielen and everybody else, then you know that kind of goes under the radar that that happens. So well, what do you think on the hotness meter? I'll go a five for now. I mean, like you said, it went under the radar. There's not a whole lot of hype around the pick because or the the signing because of how this offseason has played out, especially with all the bodies they've moved out, especially on the defensive side. There's, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of excitement for what this defense is going to be this season, uh, as opposed to what it could be in the future uh, down the road a little bit because of kind of all the youth and all the just changing pieces on that side that we haven't seen this much change on the defense in a long time. So there's, I, I'm going to give it a five for now. I'm going to stick with that uh, for the next one. 
Uh, let's move on to the second pick here. I'm going only two predictions later. Uh, we'll move on down the list a little bit later. Arizona will pick number one in the 2024 draft and take Caleb Williams. I'm going as hot as this one is. I think I'm going with a four because everybody kind of expects Caleb. I, everybody expects Arizona to be really, really terrible. But I've got another question off this, but I just want to hear your thinking of as to why Arizona will pick number one. Oh, you nailed it. They're terrible. I mean, they are really terrible. And, you know, poor Colt McCoy, he doesn't deserve this. Where's Ryan Lindley? Where's John Skelton? Somebody else needs to take the arrows for this year. They hired a completely inexperienced head coach who, you know, I, you just couldn't drop into much worse of a situation uh, for Jonathan Gannon. Really, really tough there. If you were hiring somebody that had some experience, maybe they could uh, kind of grind their way into not relevancy, but competency maybe. But when you have a new guy who is just set up here with absolutely nothing, the cupboard is completely bare. And one of the first things that your team does is cuts DeAndre Hopkins, which he wanted to be cut and didn't want to be there. It was going to be an ugly situation if they had tried to keep him. And I also think didn't Buda Baker has to be traded as well. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. But again, another very unhappy player that maybe they end up trading at the deadline or something. They have no talent. It, it is a bad, awful, pathetic, sad football team that doesn't even have its quarterback that might be able to get them to five or six wins just by being, you know, really talented and, and an entertaining player. They might even be fun, but poor Colt McCoy's just got to go out there and play football with nothing around them. They don't have a great offensive line. They don't have a good running game. They don't have what they got nothing. Uh, and I just think that they did this on purpose which is totally within the rules and totally fine, but is setting them up for a really tough spot. The hot part of that is that they bail on Kyler Murray. Uh, and yeah. I don't know where, where he's at with his recovery. Maybe he'll come back halfway through the season. Uh, if it was me, I would not want him coming back halfway through the season. But I, I think that if you're Kyler Murray, unless it goes way better than you expected, you've got to be like, come on, man. I mean, I'm the number one overall pick. I've had some highs, some very high highs actually during his career. 2021 was the peak where through 12 games or so, people are talking about him as a potential MVP. And yet his coach was just always overmatched year in and year out. And look, you know, I don't like to make excuses and so forth, but I think if you have like an argument for, I could have been better with better coaching in a better franchise. I think you can make that argument uh, mm -hmm. when you come from the Arizona Cardinals, who were one of the teams, by the way, that did horrendously on that NFL PA study. And I hope they fix their broken floorboards in their uh, <laughs> weight room or whatever. I mean, when you compare it to what someone like the Vikings have, and this is a situation that I'm keeping one sunglass on, which is uh, Kyler Murray and what's going to happen there with his future. But I think if you're them, the smart thing to do for their new management is move out the expensive quarterback who you kind of know what he is. And if you can move in the quote generational talent, he's the best quarterback prospect since uh, what Trevor Lawrence, I would say, or he's, he's kind of up there in that Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence kind of ballpark where everybody thinks he's going to be really good and you get him for cheap. Uh, I think Arizona's in a great spot. It's kind of like, don't blow it. I don't, don't blow it. Don't draft anywhere outside the top two. Cause you're not going to be any type of uh playoff contender, but you know, with the Kyler Murray thing, I really do think uh, that has potential legs, short legs for Kyler Murray, but potential 
some potential there if the Vikings are indeed moving on from Kirk Cousins, but they win too many games to have a high draft pick. That might be interesting. That's kind of where I was going next with my question. CJ McCauley in the chat uh, says other set or adds another point to it. Who does anyone want Murray's contract? Murray's got an incredible contract to deal with for the Cardinals and whoever takes him next. If, if everything goes to plan for Arizona and they get that number one pick, where do you see Kyler Murray landing next season? Because it's going to have to be a trade. They're not going to cut him because that's too much of a cap hit, obviously to cut him. So who do you see trading for him next off season? The Minnesota Vikings. What did I just say? Uh, no, you know, I understand that that contract is a problem. The The thing about contracts in the NFL, and I know that we've talked a ton about Kirk and how much he makes. When Kirk got here, the Vikings had two legitimate seasons with all of their stars where they didn't have to get rid of anybody to try to win. The problem is they didn't win. That's the, that's the problem. And they couldn't add the extra pieces after that and so forth. And we've been over that contract thing, but I Kirk is a better quarterback so far than what Kyler Murray has been during his career. Kyler Murray is far more dynamic and more gifted physically than Kirk cousins is. So what you would be aiming for is to put one of the most exciting quarterbacks and talented quarterbacks with Justin Jefferson and and go for it, right? You can always go for it in the NFL. That's the thing about the salary cap and everything else. You can always go for it. You can always move money around. You can always, you know, make that one last signing if you want to. Uh, and but the wheels eventually come off. And so with the Vikings, when they did all those things to move all the money around and everything else, the wheels eventually came off after. The 2019, they had a two-year window to win with Kirk. They didn't do it. And then they were just, you know, in a very tough spot after that. So I'm not a hundred percent like advocating for this and saying, oh yeah, go, you know, go do that after this season. So much can change. Who knows where everybody's at after this season. And I also have some reservations about Kyler Murray and his, his leadership and his playing style, which I think is, is very erratic at times and has been a roller coaster. Uh, I also think that it's the closest you'd be to being a Super Bowl contender in a really long time to have a quarterback with that talent to pair with Justin Jefferson and the rest of the uh, playmakers that you have. So anyway, that's, you know, that's kind of a down the road point. If that starts to seem serious, I'm sure there will be other teams, but it's hard to say like who's going to be just looking to draft someone like half, half of the NFC. I mean, San Francisco, but you know, their, their salary cap situation's hard. I don't know. I mean, like I, one of my predictions that I don't know if you were going to mention or not, I think was that San Francisco still wouldn't know who their quarterback was after this year. And that could be Kyler Murray as well, but would you trade him in the NFC is another conversation. So there's a lot of different layers to that prediction. Um, and I wasn't, that that's not one of the predictions that he would come to Minnesota, but you took me down that path that I think it's not completely absurd to think that that uh, could be something of, of interest for the Vikings. But I mean, the most likely scenario remains the most likely scenario, which is that the Vikings draft somebody, but if they end up with 10 wins and they're in the playoffs and they can't get one of the top quarterbacks, then what do you do? Then you start investigating, you know, other ways around that. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, Derek uh, doesn't think that O'Connell would like Kyler Murray. I'm not, I'm not going to put myself in, uh, in O'Connell's shoes and try to say what, what he doesn't or does or doesn't like as a quarterback. I sure know that Murray 
If you look, I mean, it is just remarkable how the narrative changes on a player. Just go back to 2021, not that long ago, and people are talking about Kyler Murray as an elite quarterback Mm -hmm. halfway through the season. And then their team completely falls apart. And nobody, except for the best of the absolute best all time, can transcend your your talent of your team. So anyway, uh, that was definitely an off-road for that prediction. But Arizona is going to be terrible and pick Caleb Williams and trade Kyler Murray. And they might have the uh, the one and two picks because they also have the Texans pick uh, as well, first round pick as well. But that uh, you you don't think so because of a, another uh, prediction later on uh, that I that I didn't choose here. Uh, my next one though, you said the Detroit Lions will go twelve and five, and fans will call themselves Campbell crazies. I'm not I'm not going to worry about the Campbell crazies part yet. I think this is a pretty hot one. Uh, although looking at their schedule, I'm starting to think it's not, but I'll go with an eight here. This is a, it's a pretty hot prediction here, uh, that the Lions will go 12 and five. Granted, they are in a pretty weak division, uh, in the NFC North. They've got, they won what they were seven and one over the last eight games of the season, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and they had a top three deep offense in the NFL. They've only gotten better. It seems, uh, I'm excited for, to see what happens with the Lions though. It is Detroit, so they got that going against them. Uh, what was your reasoning for thinking 12-5 and five for the Lions this season? The biggest pro football contest in Las Vegas is back again for its fifth year with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere with two ways to win and no rake. Play the million pro football contest with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Pick a winner with the Survivor Contest. Select one team each week with no point spread. Get your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com today for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You'll notice I'm wearing Honolulu blue here for uh, the line. No, that's not, it's just a regular shirt. But um, I just think that when you look at their roster, they brought back pretty much everybody from last year that did have that hot run in the second half of the year. I don't think that that was really fluky. I think it was more of them coming together and they've added a lot to it, especially in the secondary. That team's major issue over the last couple of years was that they just couldn't cover anybody. And you saw it in all sorts of matchups with the Vikings that they couldn't cover anybody. A part of that was Matt Patricia being their coach. But they took that roster all the way down to the screws. And it's hard to build a defense. We've seen that with the Vikings. It is difficult to build a defense. It usually takes a couple of years of drafting players like Aiden Hutchinson, who looks really, really good, and then signing free agents. And this year, they signed Cameron Sutton, who uh, you know we had, I think, is one of the potential guys for the Vikings at cornerback, but one of the best cornerback free agents. I mean, they made a bunch of really, I think, savvy signings. They drafted players to help them right away, even though the positional value of the players they drafted was a little bit sketch. Uh, Those were 
you know, really good prospects, Jack Campbell and Jameer Gibbs, those guys could step in and play right away and make a difference. I think that they have by far the best roster in the NFC uh, North. And I also think that uh, Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson, they know what they're doing and, and they, they do know how to build a culture where the players feel like they're all in the same boat with Dan Campbell. He just has a way of connecting with them. And I think that public facing he kind of looks like a lunatic sometimes but behind the scenes i think him just having their back and being a former player in the similar way to kevin o'connell i i think that those two guys have a very similar type of approach to this job except for dan campbell could beat up kevin o'connell like that's the difference is if they fought O'Connell would lose by a lot, but that's the, that's the difference. If you've seen Dan Campbell up close and O'Connell's a big guy, he's like six, five people have said, I look like O'Connell. I'm like, um, I'm six, like one. And my hands are half as big as him. And he's, he like towers over me. But anyway, uh, Dan Campbell would, would beat him up pretty easily. He would beat up almost everyone pretty easily. So that's the only difference, but I think that they have a lot of uh, similarities otherwise, and they have the best team. So I'm going for it with them. I And I've always felt like it's just the case that we talk about teams like this and you're always just one off season away, one rebuild away, one player away from turning around a long stretch of badness. I mean, I think that the Raiders might argue against that and maybe the Jets <laughs> to some extent, but I mean, just look at Buffalo. They missed the playoffs like 19 or 20 straight seasons or something. And then their team came together, they got the right coach, and they've been really competitive for the last couple of years. So I don't think that them being the Lions actually has anything to do with anything. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I did make a Super Bowl prediction. It's not them. But I do think that they will be decidedly the best team in this division despite being the Lions. They've also got a pretty easy start to the schedule. Bob in the comments says, watch the Lions start 0-6. Look at their look at the beginning of their schedule. Sure, they start at Kansas City, but it's also week one. Anything can happen uh, in week one. Lions could pull off an upset there. But then they have Seahawks, Falcons, all both at home. Then they go to Green Bay. They get that one out of the way. Carolina Panthers, and then the Tampa Bay Bucks. They could legitimately be 5-1 to start off the season. And then they go into the rest of the schedule that their toughest team – Maybe in week seven in the Baltimore Ravens, you have uh, the Charger at the Chargers at week 10, but we know going at the Chargers or going to LA for the for a Chargers game is always a home game because they don't really have fans there. So uh, they they don't really have a very a tough schedule at all. The Cowboys week 17 uh, also may be the toughest te- test down the stretch uh, besides the two Vikings games. So I think they, I'm agreeing with you, they legitimately could be one of the better teams in the NFC this year, not just the NFC North in the entire NFC because of what we saw over the last half of the season last year and kind of just looking at their schedule. Uh, So yeah, I'm going to give you an eight, but I'm starting to lean a little bit down the scale because of looking at just their schedule alone leads me to believe that they might uh, pop a couple wins that you didn't expect them to. Um, Next one for me, this one, you, you start off this prediction saying you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. Sam Howell will throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. This one's a burning, scorching hot 10 prediction for me. Why are you (laughs) predicting Sam Howell for 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns? Turn up the heat. The crowd is throwing tomatoes. They're angry. (laughs) They're, They're booing. Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring the booze for the Sam Howell prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm putting my stake down in the Sam Howell camp. 
pretty much because I think that there's a reason why they decided to stick with them. That is one of the most incompetent franchises in the history of the universe of people collectively playing sports together. But I don't think that Ron Rivera is either a tanking or be a complete dope. I mean, I, I think that he's not one of the best coaches in the entire NFL, but I don't think that he's brain dead. Uh, I, I think that what they saw last year from Sam Howell behind the scenes and in the time that he got a start where he was actually very good, that uh, they liked what they saw. And that offense has some playmakers. Uh, Curtis Samuel has not really come through for them exactly, but he's still a good player. Jahan Dotson showed that he can be a good playmaker for them. And Terry McLaurin, one of the better wide receivers in the league. This is not a playoff team. This is a team that's probably going to be playing from behind a good amount, which means that Sam Howell's going to have to throw a good amount. Uh, as far as I know, they don't have anything super special in the backfield as, uh, as far as running backs go. I think the running game is going to be fairly limited. It's going to be on Sam Howell's shoulders. And the weird thing about him is I thought watching him at North Carolina, that he was the best quarterback in that draft class. And Kenny Pickett was the only first round pick. Howell drops all the way to the fifth round. I'm not really exactly sure why. I guess the NFL just didn't buy into any of those guys, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. But if you had asked everybody after the 2021 season, this is kind of the theme with Byron Murphy, with Kyler Murray and Sam Howell is, we sometimes overreact to what we just saw. He had a horrendous team in North Carolina. He didn't perform the same, but he was supposed to be considered a pretty darn good prospect and just sort of fell out of favor with the, uh, I guess with the NFL teams as a top prospect quarterback, but that talent might be there. I think he has arm talent. I think he's tough. I, I think he, he can run a little bit if you've seen uh, what he did in college. So I'm going with it. I mean, first, there's no reason not to, because if it goes sideways, oh, well, uh, but I'm not just doing it to do it. I'm doing it because I think he'll have the opportunity in a lot of games where they're playing from behind to throw a lot of passes. He's got the playmakers to do it. And there must be something there because look at the quarterbacks that were out there this off season. There were quarterbacks that were out there this off season, like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you've got to think that Ryan Tannehill might've been in the conversation. They could have drafted did somebody Derek Carr. Um, Carr was out there and who knows how much they chased them uh, they clearly did not want to bring uh, Carson Wentz back as no one does want to have Carson Wentz on their team there were other options and they decided nope we want to go with this guy we've seen enough and if it was an inexperienced head coach and if it was a team that was tanking like Arizona or whatever I would say okay well they're just trying to lose they don't care or their coach doesn't know what they're doing which might be the case in Atlanta with Desmond Ritter I'm not sure but they just have to be doing this because they saw something last year that makes them intrigued by Sam Howell. So I want to be the first uh, on the bandwagon if he becomes a good quarterback, or even if he just has one of those John Kitna years. Like, is that a great comp for Sam Howell as John Kitna? Like undersized guy, maybe not the biggest arm or anything, but kind of has the same vibe. Maybe just a, like, I don't know, gritty little quarterback who throws for 4,000 yards because his team's playing from behind. I like it. Yeah, uh, Kyle in the comments seems to agree, agree with you. Washington defense will be good and keep them in games. Look at what their D-line did to the Vikings O-line last year. They added a cornerback in the draft to sleeper wildcard team there. He, he's going to maybe a little bit step further than you will with that one. Uh, other comments about this uh, prediction. Need a drug test caller on this one. That's probably fair for three, 4,000 yards and 30 touchdown. Uh, CJ says caller's prediction shows he likes to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. 
<laughs> Look, I mean, if you want bold, if I say, oh, well, Byron Murphy will be good. You guys are like, what? Who cares? That's not bold. I mean, what are you talking about? So you got it. I mean, you got to go like a little bit risky at some points. Uh, you're right, Kyle. They actually do have a pretty good defense. I, it's just that their overall team is not really, uh, I think, I guess you could call them a sleeper wild card, but I I've, I look at them as more of like a seven or eight win type of team overall. And that he's going to have to throw the ball a lot is probably going to have to be the case. So, but you're right. Their defense last year did cause a lot of problems for the Vikings. So we'll see. We'll see. But I just, I, it's sort of one of those, maybe I got a feeling about a guy. And if this feeling is completely wrong, I won't be that surprised. But if it's completely right, then next year we can do the same exact show and be like, remember, remember, told you about Sam Howell. <laughs> Let's stick with the quarterback conversation. Uh, a couple picks later, you said Will Levis. The guy who dropped out of the first round, dropped out of the top 10 like people were predicting leading up into the draft, drops all the way down to the second round. Tennessee takes him early in the second round. You say he will be the starting quarterback in Tennessee by week eight. Uh, I'm going to give you a 7 out of 10 on this one for hotness. I just think Tennessee's in a real bad spot. Um, They have seen pretty much all of their talent walk out the door. They tried getting Julio Jones last year, which is really desperate and sad at that point. (laughs) And didn't they trade like a second round pick to get Julio Jones? And he did eventually. Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Last year. Um, So they've been kind of fading there, right? I mean, they made the playoffs that year that they had Julio, right? And then last year they drafted Burks to replace him. And that didn't go particularly well either. It's just been the last two seasons where they've been sort of sliding down the regression mountain and wasn't, was Adrian Peterson a Titan at one point or something? I mean, 2021, I want to say it just, uh, you can look that up. I swear Adrian Peterson put on a Tennessee Titans Jersey at one point in 2021. And, you know, last year we saw Tannehill get hurt and banged up a lot during his career They just don't have a very good football team. And if they are three and five or two and seven, just turn it over to Will Levis because that likely means Tannehill hasn't played that well. It's also worth mentioning that Ryan Tannehill is actually really old. I don't know if we think of Ryan Tannehill as being really old. He's like as old as Kirk. He's like 35 or something. I mean, this guy's been banged up. He's been past his prime with Tennessee. He had that Rich Gannon bump where he sort of had this like breath of fresh air in Tennessee, goes to a new location, has a couple of really good seasons. But usually when you have that doesn't necessarily last for a very long time. And I think that's Ryan Tannehill when he doesn't have the talent around him. I also don't think that Derrick Henry is going to be anywhere near as dominant as he was in the past. It was really helping Ryan Tannehill with the action and everything else, because that's what they built their entire system around. So if you're not going to win and you have an old quarterback and he's probably getting banged up, uh, I think Tannehill missed a shot when he threw like four interceptions against Cincinnati for that team to ever go anywhere. Cause that was actually a really good team. And, and I think they won the AFC that year. And, yep. and you know, that was what was that? Wait, what year was that? No, that was 2021. Wasn't it that they won? Yeah, the AFC? So. It was so bizarre. What a strange year that was. That was probably their last shot. They had like a three season run and that was like their last shot to go anywhere with Ryan Tannehill. I think it's over and they will just say, you know what? All right. Uh, Will Levis, let's see what you got. Uh, Adrian Peterson did play for three games for Tennessee and he wore the number eight of all numbers. So I'd be, Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) See, the Tennessee is, 
of all 32 teams, if you're asking me to remember things about a team, the Vikings have not played them. When did the Vikings last play the Tennessee Titans? I don't know. Was even it the Sean Hill game? Is that the last time? I don't remember any other game against the Tennessee Titans. I feel like the last game was in 2016. I Usually I have a pretty good sense for a lot of these teams, but that one I'm trying to rack my brain about which year things happen and everything else. Uh, but yeah, I think it was the Marcus Mariota interception to Eric Hendricks when Tennessee had a chance to put that game away in 2016. Okay, follow-up question here off of Tennessee uh, since we're talking NFL here. Is Mike Vrabel a good coach? I mean, they won, as you said, they won the AFC two years, or uh, at least in 2021, they won the AFC, a really weak AFC South, uh, two years in a row, finished second last year in it, uh, second, third, four, or second and third as well in his years. Is he a good coach? Yes, I think he is. I think he's a very good coach. Uh, and, you know, when it's a when it's a beefy gentleman like Dan Campbell <laughs> or Mike Vrabel, who need to fight, by the way, uh, we're talking about Elon Musk and Mar- Mark Zuckerberg fighting. Those are the last two people on earth I want to see fight. Yep. I want to see Dan Campbell versus Mike Vrabel. Now, there's two dudes who should throw down. But I, when you're an old school football player from the 90s, there's just a reputation that comes along with that and a gruffness to both of those guys where you go like, Oh, you know, they're not like a LaFleur, a McVay, a Zach Taylor. They're just these old football dudes. But I think that he handles his business pretty well there. And they got every ounce out of Ryan Tannehill that they possibly could have. And it was really just what happens with teams. This is the, what we're always talking about is the rises and falls all the time where you build up a roster, you have your shot. If you don't make it, then you probably are going to have to rebuild at some point. And trading AJ Brown was pretty much a sign. Yep. It's over here. And they still almost made the playoffs. That's, that's my thing about Vrabel. Why I would say he's a good coach is if you go expectation versus what they produce going into every season, I'm sure that they've outperformed their expectation almost every single season. That's one of the ways to kind of use a Vegas line. It's not really a predictive thing where it's going to tell you what teams are going to do, but you can use it as what did people think of that team going into the season? And I doubt that people had the Tennessee Titans as good as they were for that uh, short window of time. It's just going to be tough for him and everybody else. Cause it's not a good football team. And I also don't think that will Levis can play. Uh, so I mean, if if he was good, maybe the Vikings would have drafted him. But also, if he plays and is good, we're going to have a talk about that. What else you got? <laughs> I've, I've got What's two more that, here. That a seven? A seven? You gave that one? Yeah, I gave that a seven. I'm I might be I might be leaning towards eight because I still don't trust that Will Levis is a good quarterback and that he was only thought of highly because it just the big arm. So I'm always he doesn't cautious. have to be good. He just has to play for the predictions. So it's more like a seven. That's fair. Uh, I've got two more here. We'll start off with the Vikings one and end with a different one uh, afterwards. You said Alexander Madison will gain 880 yards and catch 40 passes. And more importantly, the Vikings won't regret cutting Dalvin Cook. Exactly 880 yards. (laughs) Bet on that. Gamble on it. Put all of your money. Take out a loan. Don't tell your wife. 880 yards. No, I don't know. Uh, it, It could be more than that. He could end up being the bell cow. The history of Los Angeles, I was looking into this. They usually kind of did in McVay's offense, stick with one running back. But when O'Connell was the play caller in 2017, a listener pointed this out to me that they had a definite rotation and they used their running backs in the passing game a lot. 
And I think that last year, Kevin O'Connell wanted to with Delvin Cook, but he just wasn't what people thought he was when it came to receiving. That never materialized as, as him being anything more than a screen option. And, and he really didn't have very good hands. And I, I think that Alexander Madison, and he made some good catches along the way. He's a great NFL player. But in comparison, I think Madison catches the ball really well and is good out of the backfield. So I think they'll use him that way. And the rotation is going to be real. Kenny Wong Wu, Ty Chandler, these guys have explosiveness and they have big playability. Madison is a grinder, but they're going to want that change up. Say like if you had Leroy Horde and David Palmer came into the backfield and they're going to want that, uh, the sort of thunder and lightning type of thing. So I don't think he's going to gain like 1500 yards or 1200 yards or things that we would expect from Delvin cook. It won't be like that, but there could be much more of a Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon type vibe to this. I don't know which guy is going to be Jarek McKinnon, but the, the, the smaller, the quicker back to go along with the bruiser and the Vikings running game will be fine and it will probably be more efficient than it was last year because it, it almost felt like at times they thought that they just needed to give Delvin the ball. Are, are we passing fine? Do we have to run it here? Probably not, but it's first down and Delvin hasn't run the ball much. And there's just an obligation to play him all the time and to give him the football all the time that they will not have this year. And also, I think it is a sign, too, that with the NFL not signing Delvin Cook to a big contract, that they saw what we saw because they have the tape, they have the data, mm -hmm. and they don't care what your favorite hot take artist or water carrier is saying on uh, Twitter or on NFL Network or on anything else or ESPN. What they care about is winning football games and making good signings and paying out money to players who they think are going to help them and fit in with their team. So if he wants to be a bell cow back, who makes $10 million and nobody's buying into that. Uh, and I think ultimately we'll look up and cook will probably be helpful to some team. I don't say he's going to be garbage. I think he'll be helpful to some team, but they won't go. Oh my gosh. Delvin ran for 1800 yards for the jets. And we were just so foolish to let him go. I don't think that will be happening. Do you think he signs before training camp or it's going to be a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple weeks before the season starts. I don't know. I mean, he's got to be getting pretty antsy to find a team. And reportedly he has an offer on the table. He might just have to take whatever is on the table for him. Uh, I would imagine that's from Miami who seems to have been connected to him from really day one. But if you're Miami, you've got Raheem Mostert, you've got some other running backs there. You want to improve your running game, but it's really all about Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyree kill. So uh, I don't know. I think he's probably just going to end up having to take a contract that they try to make look better than it is with the money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the best he can do is when, when, when certain reporters get the terms from his agent texted to them, they will look way better than they actually are. That's another prediction that we can throw in there as a little bonus. <laughs> that's almost like a bunt single with that one for sure. Uh, finally, uh, Sean McVay will step away from coaching after missing the playoffs to get $1 billion from Amazon to be a broadcaster. Exactly. Jeff Bezos terms. has the money. Yep. His, his agent has texted me the exact terms. It's $1 billion <laughs> for a lifetime contract. He has a free spaceship to go once we put life on Mars, uh, brought to you by Amazon and everything. So, uh, you know, I think with McVay that, the fact that he was thinking about it during the Super Bowl year 
And last year, just from what I've read about where he was at, it seemed to really be weighing on him. And there's something to, if if you're Belichick, this is it for you. Like football, this is it. There's just nothing more to that that dude. He's just football. He's been football his whole life. His dad was football. This is this is that guy. And no matter how many championships, he was going to come back the next year and try to win another championship. But uh, in comparison, someone like Bill Cowher or John Madden, they won their Super Bowls or Super Bowl and said, all right, let me get into this broadcast thing. And if I go back, I go back and never did and became very good broadcasters, especially John Madden, one of the all-time greats. I think Bill Cowher's mm-hmm. fine. He still wants everybody to punt on fourth down and run the ball more as as 90s coaches would. but. They just took the broadcast careers and enjoyed their life. And McVeigh could be John Gruden-ish, where you get burned out by that fast rise and that success early and everything else. And then 10 years later, you get the itch to come back. And I I thought Gruden uh, was a disaster mostly with the Raiders, but caught on to what NFL offenses were doing and their offenses were fairly successful with him. So I don't think if you're out of the league for a few years, you just disappear, especially if you're broadcasting and you're staying locked in and everything else, he could absolutely do that. He could step away, go into broadcasting for a while and then decide in his future. I also just think the Rams are going to be bad. I don't know. I I just have a really tough time. That team has like 75 million in dead cap. If that's wrong, someone correct me, but it's a lot, I think. Uh, And which is what happens when you go full Rams, as Quasi Adolfo Menso once said. When you go all in, you are really, really risking. Um, You are really risking having it blow up. And last year and this year, I think, are going to be those blow up seasons. And for somebody who's used to having so much success and being a wonderkin, uh, I think failing is really, uh, really hard. And uh, from what Derek says about Alexander Madison, I agree that uh, Alexander Madison in comparison to Delvin Cook at his peak is not the same running back. But I also look at what Madison did when he was starting for Delvin Cook. And it was always good. I mean, there's maybe one game against Atlanta that he started that they fell way behind and he didn't get many carries. And I think a game against Los Angeles that he struggled. But there's a Seattle game where he was great until they had him run behind Drew Samia in the biggest moment of the game. And he's he's been really effective in the games that he's been in. I, I would not just discount him. And there's another element of this, too, that running success is not always how much agility and vision you have. Uh, although I don't know about the Delvin vision. I think Delvin was the lightning. I think that's what it was, is that if he got the ball, I mean, the, the second he touched the football, it was just gone. It was just off. It was like, it was just so fast with his, mm-hmm. the, the, the acceleration for me. And then the, the ability to break any tackle. He was so hard at his best to bring down. Madison's not that guy. Madison is not top speed either. I mean, he's not going to go 75 yard touchdowns. He's going to get caught from behind. He's just not that guy. But I don't think that has to mean that he's not like good at what he's doing and, and, and good at pass blocking and good at catching passes. And then mixed with other guys. I don't think anyone thinks, oh yeah, this is your 1500 yard running back. But we've seen successful running games and the Saints were this way for a long time with Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram might be a comparison for Alexander Madison. Just, just a, just a, just a pounder, you know? Um, yeah, we've seen those guys have success uh, in mm-hmm. multiple running back type of systems. Plenty, plenty of times. And Leroy Horde certainly falls under that category. So the other guys have to step up though. It can't just be him is my thought, but 
I've always had a, a good amount of respect for Madison as, as a decent player. Yeah, you're, the Vikings don't need Madison to be the next Dalvin Cook, the next Adrian Peterson, because they're not focused on running the ball anymore. They're they're focused on getting the ball to Justin Jefferson or Jordan Addison or KJ Osborne or TJ Hawkinson more than they are having a 1500 yard running back. So as if Madison does put up 880 yards and can get you what he got you lat the last couple of seasons, a yards per carry and just be a better run blocker and catch the ball every once in a while, more than uh, Dalvin cook did, then you have yourself a success and you're not going to miss Dalvin cook one bit. Um, and yes, did look it up. The Rams $75 million in dead cap uh, this season. Where do, if, if your prediction is correct, which I'm feeling it is, maybe the $1 billion mark is a little bit high, but uh, if he does move on, if he retires and it's just a poor season for the Rams again, where do they go? Cause they don't have draft picks. They've got a ton of dead cap. They can't just move on because they're not going to get any draft or they're not going to be able to tank and have it work because they don't have that draft capital. Uh, where do they go from here? Yeah. And uh, Jalen Ramsey's not there. And I think Matthew Stafford retires and then they got to go to the bottom. I, those, that's the only option. There's really no other route. Uh, if Stafford has a good year and they struggle, then maybe he might want to play somewhere else, or maybe they could you know, grind it out for another year. But that's the thing. When you go all in, you have to win or you're in trouble for years. It doesn't mean your franchise is just uh, a dud forever, but, you know, I, I had some experience in covering Buffalo when they did the all in thing around Tyrod Taylor and they got to eight wins one year. They may have gotten to nine, you know, another year with him, but they went and spent all this money on a bunch of different dudes. They traded multiple draft picks for a first rounder and they just said, you know what? We're ending this drought hell or high water, no matter what. And then eventually before they drafted Josh Allen, they had to really rip it all down. You remember that team where they first drafted Josh Allen and they played Nathan Peterman the first couple games, mm -hmm. lost by like 40 points. I mean, that, that was a rough year for them. Miami was this way. Now they were, you know, they had to tear it all down. So a lot of teams did Detroit um, before they traded Stafford. They kind of tried to go all in and around Stafford and Matt Patricia. And, you know, so a lot of times that's what happens. You just have to tear it all down when you've cleared your peak. That's life in the NFL. So I think they will. And that's where I don't think that Sean McVay is going to want to spend three more years yeah. building it back up. Um, it, it, I, that's why I made the prediction. I don't know. I mean, Sean McVay hasn't told me, but did you want to mention my Super Bowl prediction? I made my Super Bowl prediction was the first pick. That's where I was going to end off here is I was going to add in one more here, even though I said we were done. Uh, you said Cincinnati Bengals will win the Super Bowl. Uh, go ahead. Uh, the floor is yours as to why Cincinnati will be the team that beats the chiefs in the AFC. Well, I mean, as great as the chiefs are, no team has gone back to back since the new England Patriots in 0405 and winning the super bowl. It's really, really absurdly ridiculously hard to do. And Cincinnati was this close. And maybe if they don't clip a dude out of bounds, uh, just what was it? I mean, he was probably three feet out of bounds or something. It was a penalty, mm -hmm. but uh, that cost them in that game. They have been, this close, neck and neck, every game with the with the Kansas City Chiefs. They are right there with them, and they're one drive away uh, from beating the Los Angeles Rams, winning the Super Bowl, and being right there with Kansas City. That is the rivalry of rivalries in the entire NFL right now, and I think that this is Cincinnati's turn, and they're also a team that's been so close so many times, but this is the last year, I think, of Joe Burrow being – 
insanely cheap. Maybe the way he's going to get an extension next year, he won't make that much, but he's going to be really, really cheap. They've spent, they've built up the offensive line. They've built up the defense. They've got the best playmakers possibly in the entire NFL. Uh, a good coach who's been able to get them deep into the playoffs into the Super Bowl. They've got it all. It, it's yeah. I just think they have everything. I think they have the best roster top to bottom, even better than Kansas city, even though, you know, the Mahomes factor, if Kansas city went back to back, it would just be another pelt on the wall for Mahomes as making his argument for the greatest quarterback of all time. But I don't think burrow is that, that far behind him with the weapons that he has and the setup that he has. So I, I'm going to go Cincinnati. I don't think that's that hot. I, I think it's a little, like a little warm, but I don't think it's uh, any more than maybe like a six, possibly a seven i mean if i i think that they're probably a top three vegas odds team to win the super bowl so it's probably not that hot yeah it i don't i don't think i would go six i may go five just because they are one of the favorites in the afc uh but they would still have to get past the kansas city chiefs who are the team in the afc until they're dethroned and right now uh it's going to be tough to do that because patrick mahomes is uh leading the charge to make to make uh the case to be the greatest quarterback of all time uh, incredible start from him. And as for Joe Burrow, $11 million is all his cap hit is this year and then 29 next year. And then obviously whatever extension they come up with afterwards is going to be astronomical for him. But yeah, I, I think the Bengals have as good of a shout as probably the chiefs. I don't think many other teams besides those two teams should be favorites because of how they play. I mean, the Eagles will be in there just because they're probably outside of uh, San Francisco, the best team in the NFC but San Francisco doesn't know who their quarterback is. So right now, uh, Philadelphia is going to be the favorite again, as much as I know that pains everybody outside of Philadelphia. And you know that, uh, okay. So Kyle says the Bengals are fifth in Vegas odds. So yeah, that's not, it's not a crazy hot take. No, it's not. Um, the Dallas is going to, this is going to be my prediction for tomorrow. Dallas will go into the playoffs is the favorite to come out of the NFC. That is the prediction. I'm not saying that they win. I'm saying that they will enter the playoffs as the favorite. Okay. So let's uh, get the nuance there. And if they may blow it with Mike McCarthy in the playoffs, then so be it. Uh, that does happen from time to time. Um, but I think, I actually think that there will be a little regression for Philly and the Dallas is every bit as strong as they've been the last two years. In fact, maybe better than they were with their off season moves. So that's one little bonus. Uh, if you want to read all of them, go to uh, purpleinsider.com. You can see them there also tomorrow night, Around the same time, about 8, 8.15, somewhere in there, going to go live again. And I'm going to go through my 25 other predictions. So we went through a handful today. I'm doing 50 total, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. Keep an eye on the on the channel, on the podcast feed. A lot of stuff for Predictions Week. And also, if you missed my conversation with uh, JT O'Sullivan, uh, or my article where I wrote about JT O'Sullivan, who runs QB School, uh, great. Great discussion with him. Awesome interview. So uh, that was on the written side. Make sure you go check that out and uh, purpleinsider.com and check out his channel, QB School. Cool dude. So thanks everybody for watching. This has been really fun to get together with you guys for predictions week. And next week it will be hardcore previews. The hardest of the hardcore leading into training camp. So we're almost there, folks. Uh, we will talk to you again soon. Appreciate everybody joining.